This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. How many ladies in this room took on something Chaydish Elul, something extra? Don't all raise your hands at once. So the, 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 the guarantee of living another year, pretty much a guarantee of living another year, is taking on something new. Because if you take on something new, then Hashem has to li- let you live out the year and make sure sh- and, and let you do what you took on that's new. Right? If you don't take on anything new, you make the same furniture from last year. You know what happens to old furniture, right? So it's very important that a person takes on something and whatever they take on should be small, because if you take something on and you don't keep it, then next year when you say, I'm going to take something on, the Satan says, she's not going to do it. Look at last year, she didn't do it. So it's not going to give you a guarantee to live another year. So whatever you take on, teeny, could be teeny, doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be big. Everyone thinks it has to be big, and then they can't do it. Take on something very teeny, but you should take it on an L. Why am I, taking, why am I telling you that? So, the first Pasuk in this week's parsha, he says, say, la mulchama. If you will go out to war, okay, so first we'll learn the plain shot, what it means. If you go out to war, all of Yech on your enemy, right? And you win, you go out to war and you win. And you capture captive, right? And you see amongst the captives, a beautiful woman. And you want her. And you take her for a wife. This is very hard to understand. These are Jewish men. And they're going out to war. And they announce before they go out to war that if you talk between Shemad Esrei, or if you talk by davening, we don't want you part of our army. Because the reason we're going to win this war is because everyone that's fighting is Sadiqim. So, I didn't put the... Oh, I didn't put the what? Everyone complains I yell too much when I give share. People called me this week and they said, there's this thing called an equalizer. Through Austin, I'm in my bed. A lady called me, she said, I'm in my bed, and every night I listen to your share, and I'm like falling asleep, and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> She said... Don't they have an equalizer in Torah anytime? I'm like, it's not an accident that I do that. I don't want anyone falling asleep on my share. So every 20 minutes, either bang on the table or I yell. So you all have 20 minutes before I start yelling. But anyways, yeah, you understand the people that went, the people that went to war, the men that went to war, could, if they, no, now remember, if they talk between their Tfilin Shalyad and their Tfilin Shorosh, right, they brought in Shalyad, and they talked, we don't want you in the army. These were like crazy tzaddikim. Now, they went, they're going to war, and they see a Gaiyish woman, and they want to marry her? How does anyone understand that? You don't talk about a bunch of lowlifes going to war, like, you know, like the Vikings. It's not the Vikings. It's Klai Yisrael. Okay, we, we'll try to 
get some insight. So he sees this Asian, he's trying to tell you this beautiful woman. He's not, he's not interested in her, but that's like very strong, like he's like really into her, right? Um, it's definitely not because she's a good girl and she went to Beis Yaakov and she knows how to make cholent and kogel and she's very sweet and, and has snua and knows how to bring up Yiddish children. That is not why he likes her. Because he didn't even talk two words to her yet. He, he, the passage is very clear. He saw a beautiful woman. So, he fell. Even though he's on high, such a high spiritual level, he fell. And he now became a total physical person. Because he's interested in a woman's beauty. So what do we do with him? What do we do with him? Interesting halacha. I don't want to get into the halachas because ladies don't like, they're not, they're not gonna, it's not like equality stuff, but the, um, the halacha is that the man who's at war because of all the adrenaline and, you know, war, all the, right? Halachically, he's allowed to be physically with her once. Yeah, that's the halacha. So Rashi says, what's going on over here? Right? So Rashi says, what's going on over here? This is very interesting Rashi. I don't have a chumash in front of me. I like, really like to quote it, but okay. Um, Rashi says that he's going to sin anyway. He's going to sin anyway. So Hashem didn't want him to be over in Avera. So Hashem said it's okay. I can't see. I'm not wearing my glasses. He's holding up something there. Oh, not a chumash? Rabbi, you have a chumash back there? Any chumash back there? We'll turn around. You see any chumash back there? Okay, anyway, I'll, I'll say it by heart. So, so, the Rashi says, because Hashem knows he's going to sin anyway, so he, Baruch Hu makes it allowed. That's really hard to understand because, like then, uh, if somebody likes cheeseburgers, why doesn't Hashem let you eat cheeseburgers? Because you're going to eat them anyway, right? There'd be a lot of kids who'd be very happy, like, I'm going to listen to my phone, I'm going to be on my phone on Shabbos anyway, so you might as well let me be on my phone on Shabbos, but that's not on Wacha. So it's just very interesting, because when it comes to this, because it's allowed, is, when something's allowed, there's much less of a Yitzhahara for it. So the psychology of, the, of what's going on over here, since it's allowed, ah, it's the forbidden fruit that everybody wants. So Kosh the whole Indian is a little is a little hard to under, is a little hard to to understand, but Kishbaru understood that during war he's not really person's not really. So what happened to him is he lost his um, internal ruchnius and he became a, a person who's gashmius. Thank you. Let's take a look at the Rashi. Rashi says, I guess. You know, Hashem understands us. He does understand us. Okay, so we're talking about a Muhammad Rishus, where they decide they want to go to war because they um, they want to, um, what's it called? They want more land. You can take her as a wife. The Torah is only allowing you to do this to go against your Yetzirah. If Hashem wouldn't allow it, He will marry her against the Halacha. 
if he does marry, he'll say she's going to end up being hated. Okay? And in the end, they're going to have a child who's a Ben Saramaya. That's why they're, 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 they're together. So, Akash is making it a heter, because if it's a heter, then he's not going to be interested in it. it, it, it what you're allowed, the Yetzirah only goes after the things you're not allowed. I'll tell you a story about my Rebbe Ram Gamliel. Fascinating story. So, these, this woman and husband were not having good shalom bias. And he tells this to everybody. And, and I was there with him. And it just wasn't working. The main complaint of the woman, mm-hmm. my husband never talks to me. He doesn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. He's either learning, or he's sleeping, or he's eating, or he's busy with his business. He, he, the man doesn't talk to me. So Gamil said to him, to them, okay, every Friday night, I want the two of you to learn, before the meal, after the meal, I don't care, during the whatever, half an hour, the two of you have to learn together. Take out whatever you want, a lesson a day in Lashon Hara, you want to learn stories from the Madras, I don't care. But the two of you have to learn half an hour together. Okay? If that's going to help the marriage, we're going to do that. Half a year later, the husband calls Rabbi Gamliel and says to him, it's not working. Rabbi Gamliel says, what's going on? He says, we sit down, we're learning a lesson a day, and that's what we're learning in Two sentences we start learning, and the rest of the time we're just bottling, we're just talking about the everything. Just talking and talking and talking. Shogun, we all said, it is working. <laughs> Why? Because when they're learning, Yitzhahara wants them to talk. So he makes them, he doesn't want them to learn. So Rabbi Gamaliel said, no, no, this is, what, this is ex- what I expected. This is what happened. I didn't expect you to learn because the HR, that's, that's how he works. So wh- whatever is not allowed, that's what he brings to the table. So they want to learn. Oh, right? It works. It also helps you fall asleep when you learn. People can't fall asleep. All of a sudden they take out a safer, right? You take out a safer, and two minutes later you're sleeping. What happened? You can't fall asleep. And the answer is, you start learning, you ate some hearts, uh, 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 sleep, go to sleep. I'm going to help you go to sleep. I'm going to put you to sleep. There was this um, Gaita, this non-Jewish woman who was a maid. And this woman who, who had the house, who she worked for, when a maid would say, I'm leaving, I'm quitting, I'm leaving, she would open up all her suitcases. Because many times, they found that the maid stole silver, this and that. So, the lady's about to leave, she goes, no, 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 no. Suitcase on the table. Puts the suitcase on the table, and she sees that the lady, the, the maid, is very uncomfortable. And she flips open the suitcase, she starts looking through the stuff. All that she has was a, a Polish lady, she's going back to Poland. All that she had was this lady's husband's Gemara. No jewelry, no silver, no money, nothing. Is you stealing my husband's Gemara? Why would you You're not even Jewish Why would you steal My husband's Gemara She said listen I don't know But my husband Back in Poland Is an insomniac He cannot sleep And every time I saw your husband Holding this book He was sleeping Alright A little a little joke in hell But it does It works I tell people People who can't sleep Say straight to heal him You're gone So over here You're allowed to get married to her so you're allowed to get to ma- married to her Yitzhar is not pushing you into her arms because you're allowed to get married it's not an Avera if it's not an Avera 
he's not pushing. So it works in it works in the in reverse. But now we got a problem because this guy who wasn't even allowed to talk between Tzulon Shoyan and Tzulon Shoros, he's coming home with a non-Jewish lady. Now it happens to be a very fascinating Rashi. I don't want to make trouble for you girls. Um, so the whole world's very into manicures and pedicures, right? Everyone has to have a manicure. You have this and you have that, and you have fake nails and real nails. I have Baruch I have five daughters and a wife. So fake real nails and then French manicure and this manicure and that. Eh, manicure nails is a big thing. On Avenue J, there's 15 Chinese nail places. On Avenue M, there's a 20 right? How does the title look at nails? Is nails sneers? Or is nails disgusting? Nobody talks about nails. Nobody talks, I mean, it happens to be that in very firm places, they make you cut your nails very short. But we're in the territory that say, you know, your hair has to be covered, we know from the site and the dress, all the clothing, but how do you know anything about nails? This week's Pasha, there's a Rashi. And I don't usually teach this to girls, but why not? So let me tell you what Rashi says. So we need to make this girl who he fell in love with as ugly as humanly possible. Because he fell in love with beauty. We got to take all her beauty away. So what's the first thing? Right? What's the first thing that, that, that that's, has to do with the beauty of a woman is her hair. So the first thing it says, the Gilchaz Rosha, a zero, all her hair off, bald. Okay, so we're getting rid of her beautiful hair. Done. Then it says, And let her nails grow long. So it seems to be that letting your nails grow long is disgusting, is ugly. Zuck Rashi. I didn't say this. Let her nails grow long. Tagadlam. Let them become long. Let them grow long. Today, in order that she becomes disgusting. So Rashi is saying that long nails, in his, in his eyes, he brings it down from the Gemara and Yavamas, is a disgusting thing. So she had long nails. Now it could be that you girls will argue with me and say, Red Wallstein, long nails that are not manicured are disgusting. But long nails that are manicured does not say this. Because Rashi doesn't say, Rashi just says, Long nails is disgusting. Because I, I talked to a girl, I haven't done smoothing with someone today, and she's like, okay, Rashi didn't say if it's polished, it's disgusting. He said if you have long nails, it's disgusting. But the Torah looks at making this woman not desirable, that she should have very long nails. So maybe it means long nails that are not painted, whatever, I don't know. But that's what it says. Okay, what else are you going to do? The Hesira es simla shivya me'aleha. Remove the clothes that she was wearing because they used to come to war dressed very not sneistic to get the enemies to look at them and when they're looking at them they got an arrow in their head so they used to come down dressed very not sneistic so the other side should be busy looking at them and not looking at the, what's going on in the fight so take off that, that that beautiful clothes that she's wearing off clothes off hair off nails long okay so we're beginning to peel away the Yashra she needs to sit in your house. she's going to cry. Because bottom line is you captured her. You killed her father and her mother, her cousins and her brothers and her whole family. She don't like you. You wiped out her whole nation, right? So she doesn't like you. 
And she's going to sit there and cry. It's not a beautiful thing to watch a bald lady wearing uh, like prison clothing, sitting in your house, crying a whole day, right? And then if you still want her, then you can marry her. But at that point, the chitzonius was taken away. The outside beauty was taken away. She was like, what, what, what am I, I going to do with this, with this lady? She doesn't know how to cook. She doesn't, really, she doesn't know how to cook like a Jew. She doesn't, she doesn't understand the sensitivities of a Jewish woman. She doesn't understand Tzniyah. She doesn't understand Shabbos. She doesn't understand anything. So why would I stay with her anymore? This is really um, a picture of the Satan. I have a crazy story. I, I have to be able to say it correctly. But this is the Satan. He said, say, number one, and that's why I started tonight. He said, say, always comes out in Elul. It always comes out in the month of Elul. He said, say, when you go to war against your enemy, who's your enemy? The Satan. Okay? You can't wait till he comes to you. You have to be proactive, not reactive. When it comes to the Yitzhahar, you have to be proactive and not reactive, which means you have to take something on yourself. You can't wait till he shows up. You have to, you have to go on the attack. And if you do that, you're guaranteed Hashem will give the Satan in your hands. And instead of him capturing you, you will capture him. Now, on the word unisano, which is ve vav nun, saf nun vav, right? It's a pala, what's the word when it goes race car? A paladrum. Unisano spells unisano backwards and forwards. Either way you read it, it spells unisano, right? The most famous one is race car. Race car to the right and to the left spells race car. Have to think, think about it a little bit, right? Okay, so. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is promising you on one side of Unisano is Avyecha is the Satan is your enemy but if you take the first step if you take something on that, that for, for next year that you're going to take something extra on for sure Hashem will give you in His hands and then it talks about the Chichanias that we all that not all of us but people fall into Uriisa and you will see Ishifastoyar the, 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 the outside stuff, the chichanis of the world, right? And the chashaktaba, you're gonna to wanna to be part of that world, right? And you're, and you're, you're, you're gonna to wanna to bring this into your house. So, the way to be able to fight the Eight Sahara is to pull away all the outside beauty and get a look at what's going on inside. And if you look what's going on inside, you'll realize he is the master What's the word I'm looking for? He is the master, not of disguise. Um, when you're in the desert, what do you see when you're very sick? Mirage. So he's the, he's the master of creating mirages. And everyone knows that after this thing that you want to do that's wrong, right afterwards, you're like, that wasn't as good as I thought it was. That wasn't what I thought it was. That's his, that's his deal. He's, he's able to make mirages and make you think that it's water, when it's really sand. And when you, when you, when you delve into something, you start peeling away everything, the outside stuff, and you get the core of what's going on, you realize it's not a good thing. That's his, that's his, that's his device. So there's a story, I have to say it in a very sneeistic way. Um, 
It's not so easy to say the story in a theistic way. Um, so there was this young man living on a street. I'm going to cut it into pieces. It's a very long story, but to make a long story short, there was a young man living in the street, and a beautiful girl moved into an apartment across the street. And every day he would look out his window, and he was, he was very bashful, and he would look out this window, and he was like, how am I going to get to talk to this girl? And he was very, very bashful. So he followed her. She knew that he was followed, but he, she didn't react. He followed her. She knew when she walked out, she saw him looking through the window. She didn't. She, she played the game. She played the game. Anyway, one day he came over. He took her mail. Right? She wasn't home. She was working. He took it to his house, and then he came, knocked on her door and said, I got, your mail came to my house. Right? Just to, just to, and she said, oh, thank you very much. Where do you live? He said, across the street. And then he got very bashful and he walked away with it. And this, this took a lot of time. And his whole mind was thinking, oh my gosh, if I could just be with her. And he had all these dreams, which, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to get into any details. Finally, one day, this is Mamash the Satom. This is the Satom. Finally, one day, She's walking down the street. She sees him. She says, hi, how are you? She starts to flirt with him. And she says, why don't you come over for lunch? The guy's like dying. He's like, lunch? Like, he's dying. Really, me? You know, me? Yeah, you're such a nice guy. Come over for lunch. So that day he comes over for lunch. He's mamish. He's like showering and shaving and putting on aftershave. He's going crazy. And he goes to buy a rose. He's got this on his head. That's all you're thinking about. The girl across the street. And he comes to lunch and he gives her the rose and she's so nice, this and that. And then she says, you know, you're here for lunch already. Let's, uh, you know, let's get together. He's like, ah. To make a long story short, she goes into her room. He's going crazy. And he comes into the room and she's covered, but she's sitting in the room like that. And he's going crazy, and he's like, I can't believe this, this is my dream, this is everything. And he walks over to her, and, he, and she has like something on her shoulder, and he pulls this thing off her shoulder, and on her shoulder are these huge red boils, infections, and boils, and pus. And he's like, what? Because she looks so beautiful. And she says, what's wrong? This is what you want. Is what's wrong? He's like, well, 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 well. She goes, I don't understand. What's wrong? And she goes and locks the door. And the guy's going crazy. He never, he never saw boils like that in his life. And he says, what, what are those? And she goes, I have a disease. It's called the flesh. It happens to be such a disease. Flesh-eating disease. And it eats your whole body till there's nothing left of you. And it's very, very catchy. And he's like, could you please open the door? And she's like, but you chased me. You brought me the mail. You think I don't have a camera? You took my mail. You brought me the mail. You watched me. You had binoculars. And here I am for you. I'm here. What's your problem? But flesh-eating disease, like, let me out! He starts screaming, let me out. She goes, no! I'm not ever going to let you out. You're mine. Rabbi Wallace, what kind of crazy story is this? It's a story from the Kavayasha. In a little bit different way. 
your whole life, the satan is the girl. And you're like, oh, I want to go to the movies. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. I want to watch this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And the satan's like, and you're following, and he plays with you, and you're following, and you're doing, and you can't wait. And, you, and it's this whole build up, this whole build up. And then he locks the door, because after a person leaves this world, he takes that neshama, and it's his. And he takes it into the lowest part of Gehenim, never to get out. And he's like, I didn't force you to do the things that you did. You chased me. You bought the movie. You bought the short skirt. You went out and, 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 and did this and did that. I never forced you. You followed me. You wanted me. I'm yours. But that's not... But, but what I saw was beautiful. It was a beautiful phone, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm not, you know, I'm not just rag on phones. It was beautiful. The Avera, he built it into this beautiful thing. But underneath the clothing, underneath the sheet, underneath is, is he's eating your soul alive. He's eating your soul alive. And he's like, what do you want from me? You chased me. The biggest din on Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, his biggest power is, I didn't chase you. You chased me. You spent the money. You bought that thing. You dreamed to get out there and do that Avera. I didn't, I didn't chase you. You chased me. That's his time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Because otherwise, if he chased me, I'm a human being. You're you're a malach. Come on, Hashem, you're going to punish me? A Wallstein up against a malach? And a malach. He's got 5,777 years of experience in doing this. He got Adam. He got Adam to do this. What do you want from Wallstein? Hashem, you created Adam with your own hands. Adam never had a period. You know, he didn't have a belly button. No umbilical cord. He was created by Hashem. So what, what do you want from me? You're, you're the, you're, you, you are the bad angel. He's like, oh, I didn't make you do anything. You had a choice. Oh, you wanted and you wanted and you chased and you couldn't wait. Ah, Hashem, I have nothing to do with this. You followed me. You, you brought the mail across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it says that every, every person's hand is written. They write what they did. The Satan doesn't write what you did. What does it say in the Sanatoikev? And they open the book. And every person with his own hand writes what he did. Why? Why doesn't the Satan come in like a regular prosecutor? And he has a book. And he has notes like the prosecutor. And he comes into Bezin and he says, Okay, Hashem, on Thursday she did this. And on Friday she did this. And he's a prosecutor. That's what a prosecutor does. He's got all the evidence. That's not what happens in the Sanatoikah says. Oh, no. He doesn't write anything, because if he writes it, he's a malach. You write it. It's in your handwriting. You stand there, you're like, you are writing the evidence against you. And this happens every single night when a person goes to sleep, their soul goes to Shemayim, and writes exactly what they did that day in a Sefer. And they open that Sefer on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it's what you wrote every single night. And the son's like, nah, I live across the street. I didn't do nothing. I'm a soul eater. I eat souls. And that beautiful thing that you saw was a mirage. It really is a mirage. And it's a very interesting thing, because when a person does an Aveira, right after they do the sin, they feel very bad. Everybody feels bad. Even the worst person feels bad. Like, 
I can't believe I did that. Ten minutes later, do it again. But I can't believe I did that. So why do they feel bad? No. Even worse than that. We have a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah, right? We have two angels. When, when, when you do something bad, immediately the Yetzirah, he's a rat. He's a rat. The minute you do something bad, he runs to tell Hashem. When he runs to tell Hashem, what are you left with? Just the Yetzirah. That's why you feel bad for a second. Then he comes running back. But when he's gone, you only have a Yetzirah. Yetzirah's like, I can't believe I just did this. I can't believe we did this. So that second that the Yetzirah leaves you, right after you did the, 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 the act, he leaves you for that second, that second, you're just with the Yetzirah, and that's why you feel bad. So it's a Muhammad. It's a Muhammad. Life is a war. It's a Muhammad. It's a, it's a, it's a, what do they call it? A room of mirrors. A room of mirrors, a room of mirages. You, you, you fall into the thing that you could be a tzaddik that doesn't talk between Shoyan and Shoraj, and you go out to war, and you're ready to marry a shiksa. You, you understand the war that every single person has to go through? It's a tzaddikim. But when you strip everything away, all that's left is a wife that he hates. And it's very interesting because the next parsha, the next part, next par- next subject says, If a person has two wives, one he loves, and one he hates, why can't you just have two wives that you love? Why do you have to have one that you love and one that you hate? And the answer is that the one that you hate is the Isha Yifaz Toya. He married an Isha Yifaz Toya. She doesn't know how to make kosher food. She's not a Bas Yisrael. She has terrible midos. She's not a Tznua. Her language is definitely not Jewish language. So in the end, you're going to hate her. And you're going to marry another woman. Because you need a Jewish wife. You're not just going to stick with her. So that's why these two parashios are next to each other. Right? And what happens? The Yodul Abanim. And he's going to have children. Ha'uva Vasnua. The one he hates, the guy that was, that Yifas Toya, who he hates, and the Jewish woman who he loves, they're both going to have children. And the oldest child will be born to the one he hates. Now, most of us, when we learn this in school, think if the oldest child is born to the one he hates. If the oldest child is born to the one he hates, and he doesn't want to give the oldest child the Bukhar double, right? Too bad, you have to give him double, even though he's hated and his mother is hated. And that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says, the, the one that he hates will have the Bukhar. Not if. How do you know that? How, you gonna, how, how do you know he's going to have the Bukhar? So, he brings down in the Lenel Shabbat, in this Sefer, something unbelievable. And he says that Hashem is saying that if you have two wives, the one, right at the same time, one you hate and one you love, the one that you hate is going, definitely going to have the Bukhar. Why? Because God helps the ones who are suffering. So here she feels unloved. Right? Her husband doesn't love her. Hashem will make sure that she has something that will love her before the other one. Where do we see this by? Let Rachel and Leah. 
So Leah said, I feel like I'm hated. So now I have a child. Yaakov will love me more. Right? And Rachel and says, Rachel stopped, didn't have any children. She was in Akara. She says that we learn from here that God has much more pity and listens to the tefillah of the person who feels hated. The person who feels that they're in pain. So the Pusik is not telling us, if the one you hate it has the first child, the Torah is telling you, I guarantee you, between these two women, Hashem will give the hated one first. It's godless. It's amazing. And then, the next parasha says, talks about a Ben Seru Meirer. What's a Ben Seru Meirer? It's a child, a Jewish boy, boy, a girl, boy, between the ages of 12 and a half and 13. He eats an unnormal amount of meat. Uh, Rashi says how much. He drinks crazy amount of wine. He doesn't... Okay, this is what it says. Where does the Ben Seru Meirer? He steals. He eats a crazy amount of meat. He drinks a crazy amount of wine. Right? And he doesn't listen to anything his parents have to say. So this guy's a real rebel. So the Torah tells us that you have to take him out. You have to stone this 12 and a half year old kid to death. Because when he grows up, if that's what he's doing at 12 and a half, he definitely will be a mass murderer. So before that can happen, we take them. Who has to be the first ones to throw the stones at the kid? The parents. Who has to be the second group of people that throw the stone at the kid? The city. Why? Because the city, you didn't save him. You didn't change him. You didn't give him the attention that he needs. So now that he's Chayim Misa, going to be from your hands. The blood is going to be on your hands. Parents, so this is, this is a, the Kotzka Rebbe says this. This is the most amazing Dvar Torah. There's two things he said. One is like this. Let me just read you what it says about the Ben Saramayra. I, I, I go crazy on this chat. Listen to this. When a person will have such a child, he's not listening to the voice of his father or the voice of his mother. The Yisrael also, and they're giving him Musr, right? And, and, and he's not listening to them. The parents have to grab him, take him to the Ziknairo, to the gate. And say, "Benenu, our son says, 'Sarah Umayra, he's a Ben Sarah Umayra. Ainu Shemayah B'Kolenu doesn't listen to us. Viragmu Kolanche Iru Ba'avanim. That all the people of the city have to stone him, v'meis, till he dies. Ubi'ata Rami Kerbecha, and this will take the bad from within you. V'chol Yisrael Yishmu Viro, and and then the whole Yisrael will listen and and see. The Kachka Rebbe says." You're translating the Pasuk wrong. You should translate the Pasuk like this. When you will have a child like this, who's a total rebel, do you know, do you know why you have such a child? He never heard the voice of his parents. They never spoke to him. Not he doesn't listen to his parents. You know why he's a Ben Saramira? Because he never heard his parents' voice. They never spoke to him. They never spoke to him lovingly. They never gave him attention. They were on their, their iPhones. So the, the, the Kachka Rebbe is saying, you know why he's a Ben Saramira? Because he didn't hear your voice. And therefore he doesn't hear. There was nothing to hear from them. Okay.
Then he says, the, the, the Gemara says an unbelievable halach. The Gemara says, so the, the, the Torah says, he didn't listen to his mother and father. So the Gemara says that if someone is deaf, if the parents are deaf, right? The son automatically, no matter what he does, is not a Ben Sayyid and he's not Chayv. He eats the meat, he steals, he does all the things he's not supposed to, he's putter, he goes free. Why? Because his parents are deaf. Ask the Gemara, no. If his parents were dumb, they couldn't speak. So they, so he never heard their voice. So since he never heard their voice, he's not Chayv. But what does death have to do with it? Because they were deaf, they could still talk. So he did hear his parents' voice. So why does Gemara say if the parents are deaf, he's pottery? He, he has no problem. They can hear his voice. They're deaf. They don't have to hear his voice. He has to hear their voice. He has to hear their voice. So the Gemara, the Gemara says something that I talk about all the time. The Gemara says the father and mother who are giving him Musr can't hear what they're saying themselves. If you don't keep what you're saying, you're, you're criticizing your kid or you're disciplining your sick, but you don't hear what you're saying. You don't, you tell them to go to down with a minion, but you don't go down with a minion. You can never expect that kid to accept and learn from his parents. So since the father who's giving the musr is deaf and he can't hear himself, if he can't hear himself what he's saying, then it's not going to work on someone else. And that's what we talked about. I, I once told you that. You don't hear me talk a lot about television. I talk about phones and I talk about movies and goodish music. But as a kid growing up, I watched TV. So I'm very desensitized to TV. What did I watch? Jackie Gleason, The Little Rascal, Superman. So I never felt, I didn't go off to Derek because I watched Superman, you know, change in a... In a, in a in a phone booth but now the reason there is no more Superman is there is no more phone booth so where's he going to change in an iPhone like where's he going to change right so so I got desensitized to it so deep down I don't think it's so bad even though television today is for the sitcoms that they have even though it's much better than, than than the internet because television is not interactive you can sit there and watch you can talk, try to talk to the people there it's not going to happen the problem with the internet is that it's interactive. You could go to all these sites. You could talk back and forth. I, I, I think if they would ask a Ralph, should I have internet in my house or should I have a TV in my house, have it, they'll tell you to have a TV. Even though TV has a lot of mushkasim, but it's, you shouldn't have any of them. But myself growing up, so for me to get up and talk to everyone in this room about television, when, when I myself have not come to the place that it's very bad, what's coming out of my soul is going into your soul, it's not pure, it's not clean, it's not going to help, you're not gonna, you're, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're going to walk out here, maybe you'll change a little bit, maybe you won't change, but it's not going to last. Why? Because I'm not hearing what I'm saying. If I'm coming in here and talking about Lush and Hara, and you're not allowed to talk about Lush and Hara, and then I go outside and talk Lush and Hara, I'm not, I'm not, I'm telling you what to do, but I'm not listening to what I'm saying. So if a person is deaf, he can't hear what he's saying. If he can't hear what he's saying, his child cannot accept what he's saying. So the Gemara says, not if you can't talk. That's for sure, because then he can't hear you. But even if you can't hear what you talk, doesn't count. Shh. That's really important to practice 
what you preach. Now, if you look in the Pasuk, right, what does it say? Stone him. Ubi'ata hara mikirbecha. If you want people to hear, take out the bad that's within you. Ubi'ata, burn out the bad that's within you. Listen to this. And if you do that, if you practice what you preach, the chol Yisrael, Yishmuvarol. All Christ Israel will listen to what you have to say and they'll see what you're saying if you keep it yourself. But if you don't keep it yourself, it's not going to work. So I try not to talk about things I don't keep myself. Right? Because not everybody can keep everything. So yeah, you have to work on yourself. And those, if you go to Minion all the time and that's what you do and you talk about Minion people will start going to Minion but if you don't go to Minion secretly you never go to Minion you're giving speeches about it it's not going to work there's a lot of very fascinating things in this whole thing of, of the the Isha and the and the Ben Seru Meira and it says that Ben Seru Meira never happened by the way all of you that are worried that a father and mother had to stone their kids um, never happened. The Gemara says it never happened. You have to have witnesses. Has to have warning. He has to eat a crazy amount of meat. He has to drink a crazy amount. So it's really in theory. This whole mitzvah of Ben Seremer is really in theory that a kid could get to that level, and it's really the parents' fault because he never he never heard the parents. They never talked to him. Cuts Gareva. So it's 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 a it's a very it's it's, a, it's a, this parsha the whole parsha of Kiseitze. Is a, is a very amazing parsha. Okay. Um, I wanted to read you a story. I want to read you a story. One second. Unbelievable. Yeah, here it is. Okay, so... The following story was told by a marriage counselor. So a man came to him and told him he's, he's, he has a terrible shalom bias. From the description that I understood that although he was a very devoted husband and father who did everything he could for his wife and children, he did not value his achievement in these areas very much and his lack of self-worth because we're talking about what you feel about yourself is what you project was negatively impacting shalom bias. What do you mean? How could that be? If he's such a good father, he's such a good husband. During our meeting, this, this, he told me about one of his neighbors who he admired. The neighbor, he said, was an outstanding Bachasid. When a man in the community had died, leaving a widow, this neighbor became a surrogate father to the, he, he took in the orphans, he would take them to school, he would learn with them in his own house every day, he would help them with their homework. He was a neighbor dicker person. Okay? So, he told them this guy kept the other family financially great and he was like really in awe that he did this for other people. You know the famous story in Lakewood? It's Rosh Hashiva. It's a beautiful story. So in Lakewood, the Rosh Hashiva I think was around a cutler so they were very mockbid that you came to Seder in, in Kylo you came to Seder at 10 o'clock. You had to be on time. They were very, very, very mockbid that you have to be on time. Everybody was on time in Kylo. This one guy Instead of coming at 10 o'clock, shows up at 10.30. Rosh Hashiva says, okay, one time. Next day at 10.30. Next day at 10.30. Next day at 10.30. No, it's not going to run. It's not going to work. So Rosh Hashiva went over to him and said, 
you can't be in our coil in Lakewood here. If you can't come at 10.30, you have to come 10 o'clock. What's going on with you? Your coil responsibility, showing up at 10.30. He said, Yeshiva, I'll tell you the truth. He said, one day I was coming to Yeshiva, and in the morning, I saw this lady. She had two babies in her arms. She was waiting at the bus stop. The kids were screaming. They were pulling on her skirt. It, she looked so out of order. So I said, you know what? Instead of you, I'll take care of the kids. I'll play with them while you're holding the two babies. Relax. You know? And so every day, they go to Yeshiva at 10 o'clock. I, for, for that half an hour, I'm at the bus stop. And I'm, and I'm taking care of these kids. She has a lot of kids. And she can't handle them. She said, really? So Efsher, maybe instead of you have to do it every day, we can help you. We'll send some Bachrim, right? To help her. Tell me where the, where the bus stop is, what corner. And I'll send some Bachrim. You don't have to do it every single day. I, it's very nice what you're doing. We'll send some uh, Bachrim for Yeshiva to help out. So what corner and, and what's the lady's name? He says, it's on this and this corner. And it's my wife. It's a very famous story in Lakewood. And the Rosh Hashiva said, you can come at 10.30. <laughs> Everyone thinks the chesed, you know, chesed is with other, doing it for somebody else. A lot of us don't realize that really the closest chesed, and I, I'm as guilty, I'm as guilty as everyone else. You know, Baruch Hashem, now I see my mother, because I learned with my brother, but people visit all kinds of people and do all kinds of chesed, and their parents who are older would love if you come visit or pick up the phone or talk to them. So what, what's the psychology of that? Why do you think that when we do things for other people, go to High Lifeline, go visit people who are sick in the hospital, but my grandmother, who's in Washington Heights, I don't go to visit, right? Why? Why helping others that are not attached to you make you feel, make you feel better than helping the people that... Because... Well, you're going to get admired by the well, let's say your grandmother kisses you and hugs you, and you can't get admired by anyone else more than your grandmother. Yeah, but nobody's going to Internally, internally, we feel helping others is greater than helping our own. I know guys give zero attention to their kids. Zero. But for the Robin, they're busy a whole day. You get a better feeling when you help others than when you help your own. The psychology of it, familiarity, you're used to these people, you don't feel special, it's something that everyone's supposed to be good to their parents and their kids and their grandparents, so it's not, but I, I, but I go to High Life Fund and I go there and I go there. I'm, I'm not telling you that, I, that I'm, you know, that I'm any different than that. Believe me, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't have the kibbutz of aim that I should have had, that I should have had for, to see my mother every single day. Where I was this kid, that kid, this trouble, that trouble, this way, your mother, your mother's two blocks away. Take the elevator and give her a kiss and give her a hug, you know what that means to her? Your, your parents are not here forever. We stick up. You think, there's two people you think live forever. Your parents and your teachers. But your teachers don't live forever and your parents don't live forever. And your friends don't live forever. Nobody lives forever. So, so, 
a big thing, and I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as everyone else. I, I didn't go to visit my mother every day. Baruch Hashem, my brother went. To, my brother visits my mother every day. But now that I learned with my brother, he's brilliant. My brother, he said, "Why should we learn in yeshiva? Let's learn in my mother's apartment." So every day I see my mother. I get two boxes of Cheerios and a bottle of water. Every morning, I get to the elevator. She benches me every single morning. I'm thinking to myself, the last, my father's gone 18 years. Sugar, you could have gotten this for 18 years. I can't make up those 18 years. She should live long, but she's in her 80s. Doesn't, it doesn't last forever. When my father died, I said, I said to my rabbi, I was very broken, very broken. I was very close to my father. I said, if you had one thing to tell me, Rabbi, Rabbi, what would that be? I thought he was going to tell me, you know, following your father, he says, you now have to give double kibbutz of aim to your mother. That was his whole speech to me. Double to your mother. Your father's not here. So you can't do it for your father, so I give double to your mother. And Damage, you should live long. Because he said, very interesting, my Rabbi said, it's not a mitzvah that lasts forever. Every mitzvah in the Torah lasts forever except kibbutz of aim. That's pretty scary. The only mitzvah in the Torah that doesn't last forever is kibbutz of aim. Grab it while you can. Don't stand there and say, I wish I could have lived. Are you sorry? Ask Mechila. Ask Mechila when they're alive. How come everyone asks Mechila when they're dead? They go into the box, get up by the, by the funeral. Oh, please be mindful of me. I didn't give you enough time. You should, you know. Why don't you ask her Mechila when, she was, when she's alive? I always say the Shiva, we should make, we should come up with this thing that you sit Shiva for a person when they're alive. Why? Somebody dies, everybody comes, they got pictures and stories. He did this and he did that. And it was amazing. And, and, and pictures and then and, and Imagine the person was alive sitting there. All the friends come to the Shiva, didn't see the guy for 40 years, 50 years. Imagine if he was alive and every, for seven days, people came to the house all day, all your old friends, everybody talking good about you. I missed you. How are you? I got pictures. Why do we have to wait till they're not here? But everybody waits till they're, not, till they're not here. Who goes to visit a friend of 40 years ago? Who pulls out old pictures and old stories? Why can't you go while he's alive and tell him the old stories? We, we don't... I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not better than anyone else. I'm not judging anyone else. There's just something about the people around us. We just don't give them... We don't do chesed with them and we don't give them our time. we much rather... And I, I don't want to say, Miriam, that it's because people want to thank you from the sick kid and have pictures in the newspaper, because there's a lot of people who do a lot of chesed nobody knows about, nobody will ever know about. They don't, want, they don't want any of that. But it still feels better to go out of your family structure and everybody and, 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 and do chesed. And it's, uh, I'm just telling you this because Remember what Rabbi Gamliel said, it's not forever. It can be taken away from you, chas v'shalom, in a moment. It happened last week in Borough Park. There was a fire, and two parents passed away in the fire. And a young girl, I think she's only she's 17, had a big miracle that she was saved. She doesn't have parents. She doesn't have kibbutz name anymore. In one second, four o'clock in the morning. You want to wait? For when? Like, what are we waiting for? And that's all they want. They just want you to say hello. My mother, don't do anything. Just say hello. Hi, Ma, how are you? What's going on? It's 
especially if the, if, if the mother is single and she doesn't have a husband because if she doesn't have a husband, all she has is her family, her kids. It's just the opposite. Especially someone who doesn't have, you have a husband, okay, ma, dad, you know, you're hanging out together, you know, you don't really need me. Especially when, when a woman's alone or a father's alone. For some reason, people are like, oh, a, a woman alone is a widow, a father alone is a bachelor. I don't cop that. Uh, a father alone also needs his kids and needs love, even though he's tough and he's a man and he looks like he doesn't need it. He needs it also very much. Give it all and give it aim. Rabbi Gamliel talks about it. Any girl that comes to him, I'm old and I'm not married. Any guy comes, I lost business. The first thing he says is to the guys is minion, give it of aim, give it of aim, give it of aim, give it of aim. He says, There's only two mitzvahs in the whole Torah that you, you guarantee to live long. And, 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 and the, the Gemara says, live long where? You think here? No. You see people who have crazy kibbutz of aim, they die young. means in the next world. It's a huge mitzvah. You, you can't wait. And I did not prepare to say this tonight. So if I'm saying it, it's, it's, I don't know who it's for, maybe it's for me. But I did not realize what I was missing until I started learning with my brother in my mother's house. To learn in my mother's house She's, it's, she's like, for every, an hour every day we're there. I, I did not realize what I was missing until I started doing it. You don't realize, ah, my mother doesn't need me, whatever it is. Your parents need you. If they're abusive, then you, can, then you can't. Then you, then you, know, you, don't, you don't need to be abused, that's for sure. You're going to go there to say hello, and they're going to start ranking you out to the ground, and don't go. You're not mechaif to go. You're not mechaif to be abused. I'm in the middle of writing a safer now, give it a aim. You're not, you can never answer. You can never answer them back. You can never disagree in public or even in private. There's certain halachas. But no one needs to be abused. Get up and walk out. You do not have to be abused. If you call your parents and all they do on the phone is rag at you, don't call your parents. Or just send a text. Which is part of my safer. Is a text halachically. It's a sacred Shabbos by text. Is that halachically? Are you mekayim Halachically. Is a text considered deeper? So, one of the proofs that it's not considered deeper, if you, what's the halacha if you write, I promise, I swear, I promise, is that a nether? Nether. If you say, I promise, tomorrow I'm not going to eat, but you don't say it, you write it. It's, it's not a nether, it's a contract, it's a star, not a nether. So, it's going to be in the book, just have to wait. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of very modern questions that we didn't have before. So, keep it of aim, and that only, doesn't only go for your parents, but it also goes for your grandparents. You have no idea what it means to a grandparent for their grandchild to come and spend some time with them. They feel very disconnected. They feel they're of no use. They're not working anymore. Uh, They're not teaching anymore. They're not doing their job anymore. So they feel very not needed, which is the worst feeling in the whole world, to feel not needed. So when grandchildren need their grandparents, go out with their grandparents, by a show of hands, and and the camera's not going to show Camera, he's not here. Okay, well, show of hands, show of hands. Who is lucky enough to have grandparents? Okay, that's not enough, but okay. I wish it was more. Those who are lucky enough to have a grandmother and a grandfather, 
was the last time you took them out, you took them out for a meal? Just you and them. Okay. I didn't expect any different. Why not? Why not? Because you don't, you don't realize what a grandchild means to a grandparent. You don't realize at that point in your life when you're retired, you don't feel you have that much of an input in the world anymore. I'm not making money. I'm not giving anyone a job. I'm not, I'm not working. I'm not, you know, what's my input? Go shopping, come home, go shopping, come home. You feel very much not important. Who more important in the world to make you feel important than your own children and grandchildren? So all the girls that raised your hand that have grandparents, you know what? Even if you take them out for lunch, guess what? They're going to pay anyway. They're never going to let you pay. But that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. I don't have grandparents. And the people who came out of the Holocaust didn't have. You have a, a resource that my generation did not have. You have a beautiful resource. You have a Messiah. You have someone to sit with. Grandparents love unconditionally. Grandparents is a safe place, and that's why no one goes there. It's like, okay, bye, bye, Bobby. Bye, 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 Zaydi. It's a very important place for kids. I, I've seen many kids saved. They were very abusive. They were in very abusive homes and dysfunctional homes. And their grandparents brought them up and they, they flourished. So I'll end with a saying. My father-in-law, Oliver Shalom, used to always say, if I knew my grandchildren would be this good, I would have skipped my kids. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.